Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We good today? Good, awesome. If you're joining us online, welcome. So uh, glad to see you. If you guys don't know who I am, if you haven't met yet, my name is Mike. I uh, get to have the privilege of calling myself one of the pastors on staff here. Um, So... Welcome. Uh, Weight loss is a process. Weight loss is a process. Earlier this year, I began this process. Uh, I started noticing as I looked into the mirror that I was a little more round uh, than I would have preferred. Um, Have you guys ever heard of the Freshman 15? Okay, so if you don't know what it is, Essentially, it's this phenomenon that happens whenever you go to college for the first time, and within that first semester, you magically gain 15 pounds. Um, You know, I wish somebody would have told me about the Ministry 30. Uh, Somewhere between getting here in June of 2019 and March of 2022, I I recognized that I uh, uh, put on some serious weight, probably close to 30 pounds. Um, and lucky for me, I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm a little over six feet, so I can hide it decently well. But unlucky for me is where I happen to gain the weight is where most men do, which is my gut and right here underneath where this lovely beard is. Um, I call it, call it lovely. That's funny. Um, so here I am. I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm going, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to – I have a choice here. I need to change something, Right. So I, do I say, do I say, oh well, like, oh well, I'd rather die fat and happy than skinny and miserable. Uh, you know, I, 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 dad bods are in again, so I, I can go for that, right? Uh, do I do that or do I make a change? Do I do I change something? And do I change my process? So I decided that the time had come for me to make a shift and to make some changes, and to get this weight off. So I made that decision, and I began this process. So uh, you're going to hear me say that word a lot today, process. Um, But the thing I wanted you to understand first and foremost about that is that a change in your process, especially in life process, is not easy. I can attest to that, and I mean, let's be honest, does, does anybody really like change? Maybe maybe you like change like later on, but like the the very first, like, part of going through change. Most people don't like change. Change is hard. Uh, but, but for me, when I was looking to change something, as in my weight, I knew that I needed to take action. And I, so I decided that since I don't like to work out, I really just don't like it, um, I had to, to choose something. So what did I choose? Well, I chose what the people in the industry like to call a calorie deficit or a caloric deficit. So I'd, I had to find an app, which I, the Lose It app uh, is what I chose. So endorsement deals coming later for that. But, um, and essentially it was, which actually thanks to Sarah for the pickup on that. Um, essentially what you do is you, you track everything that goes into your body. You, whether you drink it, whether you eat it, um, you, you track it. And so I chose to go with that. So I start. And week one was really tough. Uh, getting to that adjustment period. I mean, I, I like to eat, uh, specifically I like to try different kinds of foods. I like to snack late at night, which is also terrible if you're trying to lose weight. And I had to make a change. I had to change my input 
And making that change was really tough. You know, I was, I was diligent in the process of, of tracking everything that I was eating, and I, I started to, to see the fruits of my labor. And I also started to see how easy it was to put 3,000 3, calories in your body without realizing it. So the thing about it is you had to be inten- I had to be intentional about what I was putting into my body. And when I, when I chose to eat, and I started to see progress. I started to, to drop the pounds. I started, um, well, before I get something thrown at me, let me just clear the, clear the air here. I'm a man, and I know it, it's a lot easier for me as a man to lose weight than it is for women. Okay, so don't throw anything at me. Uh, and also, understand this, that results will and may vary. So I dropped the weight, and I'm not sitting here, I'm not trying to give, get a pat on the back because I lost 28 pounds. I'm not doing that. What I am saying is I want us to focus on the process that it took for me to get there. The thing, that's the thing I want us to focus on. Changing my lifestyle, changing my eating habits, changing uh, the... I had to track it all. Like, you imagine after dinner, like, most people will probably go off and enjoy it. What do I do? I pick up my phone and I track all the calories I just ate. So it was a process. It wasn't easy. It was uncomfortable. But I knew if I wanted to get to my goal that I would have to go through some of this discomfort. You see, there, there are times where I knew that my feet were going to be held to the fire, and I had to make a choice. Do I stay or do I go? Do I give up? And I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there at some point. Maybe for you, um, it wasn't weight loss. Perhaps maybe it was uh, you got a new job, you, got, you moved to a new city, um, you, you got a different perspective on life, uh, you chose to clean up your act. Um, the, the thing about going through a process, especially one well, where you're choosing to do something different in, within your life, is that it is, it's a process and it's hard. I mean, especially when uh, we live in a society today where we've made it our mission to become comfortable. We've made it our mission to have to find comfort. Think about something as simple as like getting some water or going to the bathroom. It used to be you had to go outside to the well and wheel the bucket down there, get your water, wheel it back up, and then walk into the house. Now all we have to do, walk over to the sink and turn on the faucet. It's pretty simple. If you had to go to the bathroom back in the day, you had to go out to an outhouse. Or well, if you're lucky, I guess, maybe some people didn't have an outhouse. But would you? it was probably cold, especially if you had a morning like this. Now all we have to do is walk to a particular room to, in our house to do our business. Like We have made it our mission to be comfortable. And some of us, especially as Christ followers, think, that, think that's how our faith is, that we're supposed to be comfortable. You see, that's the thing with life with Jesus, and especially when you follow Jesus, it's uncomfortable. It can be. It's Probably most of the time, quite honestly, it's uncomfortable. It's a process. And it's what I'm going to call, when we follow Jesus, a process of purification. Now, I don't know well, how you were brought up or what you are told, but I was brought up in the church. Um, my parents served at their local church diligently. They still continue to do that. Um, and so for me, growing up in church, the next step was, all right, well, I've, I go to church every Sunday. And, of course, I was like all of seven years old when I decided this. I was like, no, the next right step is to follow Jesus and to get baptized, right? That's what I want to do. I didn't have anybody that actually physically probably sat down with me and was like, hey, do you realize what you're getting yourself into? So what happened was I went to college I, once I got, and I got out of my parents' umbrella. And I, started, I began to have a way where I was able to find my own process of how I wanted to live. And I chose poorly. I chose 
the ways of the world. And that's, that's my testimony. That's something we can, you know, maybe buy me coffee or well, let me buy you coffee and I can tell you about it later. But what I'm trying to make us understand is that pursuing a life, especially a life for Jesus, a life for Christ, it's a process and it's hard and, it, and it's something that happens daily. So the thing we need to understand is the world pulls us in so many different directions. It tells us that, that we need to, to have this or we need to do this or we need to have our kids play in that sport. We need to we need to have this particular brand of clothing. We need to act a certain way. We need to talk a certain way. We need to follow our, a particular political party. Uh, we need to treat people who hurt us in a certain way. There's all these things that the world, all these ways that the world pulls at us that, that here's what happens. Is that, that if, we, if we follow that, then we're walking through world, the, the world or walking through our lives with these big suitcases on our backs that are so heavy we can barely walk. You see, the pursuit of Christ is the pursuit, not just of him, but the pursuit of a pure heart. And let me tell you, friends, that it is a process. But it's one that if you continue to choose it and work through it, you will see fruit and you will be blessed. And that's what we're going to be today. We're going to dive into Matthew again. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 8. But before we get there, just a little recap of what we've been talking about, this apprenticing under Jesus, as we've been talking about this. So we've been going through the, what they're called the Beatitudes, which are a series of phrases as Jesus starts his Sermon on the Mount, where he's saying, blessed are these, those are, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who mourn, um, blessed are the humble, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So he's been talking about these, a series of these things that blessed, and the thing that we need to understand about the, the term blessed is that when Jesus uses these terms, and this term in particular, a first century Jew would have heard that and said, all right, that means divine joy. That means per, you know, perfect happiness. That means that this is the kind of joy that only comes from God. This is the kind of blessing that only comes from God. And so when they hear that, they instantly are led to that mind frame. So maybe let us pursue that with that mind frame today as we read through Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 8. And it says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So as we can see, this, this process of pursuing a pure heart is, is one that, in Scripture, it comes with a promise. That if you are pure in heart, you will see God. And that sounds pretty amazing. I mean, but... but the thing we need to think about is, like, what, what does it mean to be pure? Specifically, what does pure in heart mean? When, when it talks about, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What, is, what does it mean to be pure? And, when, you know, a lot of times when you hear um, that word pure, you think of, like, purity. You think of, like, purity culture of, like, the recent decades where that's like, oh, well, don't have sex before you're married. That's part of it, okay? But allow me to hopefully clear up pure for us, and especially according to God, what pure means. So to be pure, quite simply, it means to be single-minded. It means to be, be of one accord, not mixed with things. It's single-minded, to be of one mind, one soul. And it's when we have that divided mind that we can't achieve purity. See, purity is a process, whether that process is is making something pure like a precious metal, or whether it's making someone pure. 
You see, if, if we're not of one mind and in tune with what God, or rather what, in tune with what God's Spirit is saying that is inside of us, and not following that, then we will, we will be double-minded because we'll start to follow the ways of the world. We'll start to carry those suitcases. So what I want us to do today is, and this is what we're going to do, is we're going to explore this process together. And we're going to specifically look at three different kinds of lies that we tell ourselves that hinder us from this purity that we're, we're seeking, or maybe lies that we've told ourselves about. Maybe, maybe you're not, not as pure as you think you are. So we're going to look at these three, three lies that we can tell ourselves, and we're going to um, see how if we can meld down those lies and replace them with truth, uh, that we can find that we won't be, no longer be double-minded, but rather single-minded in tune with the Spirit, in tune with what God has in store for us in our lives, and in, and in tune with the purity that only comes from God. So lie number one. I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? Good person, Mike. Isn't that enough? Now, this lie is really tricky because on the surface, it's inherently not a bad thing. It's, you know, I think at a minimum, we should probably all strive to be good people. Uh, I, th- I think the, where things kind of get twisted, and, here's, and this is where the problem lies, is that where are you basing that off of? Where are you basing off the fact that you're a good person? Are you basing it off of what the world says is good? Or are you basing it off of what God says is good and his truth and his word? Look at it this way. Um, try to maybe give you an example of... Do you, have you guys ever heard of the term true north and magnetic north? You guys, Have you guys heard that? Yes, I like the emphatic. I love it. So essentially, let me try to... I, I'm not a navigator, okay? But I, let me try. I read it on the internet and verified it with multiple sources, so it's probably correct. So magnetic north is the, the north that our compass follows. It, it, it shifts and it changes with the way that the, the Earth's core interacts with everybody. So, so when, when you look at your compass and you're going north, that's, that's magnetic north. Actually kind of, um, and then what true north is, so true north is constant. It's the same point. It's north no matter what. It's true north. So to kind of maybe give you an example of how they are different is if you look at magnetic north and you're the, um, I actually read an article where somebody was sitting on the prime meridian and for the first time in decades, they were able to point their compass north and it was actually true north and magnetic north. So that's the thing about magnetic north, that it changes, it shifts with the wind and the waves and with the, the earth's core and everything. Magnetic changes. But true doesn't. It's the same. See, this world that we live in, it's magnetic. With all the forces and the principalities of the world pulling you and shaping you, it never stays the same. See, we live in a world that's what have, what have you done for me lately kind of a world. You know, and uh, the kind of the funny thing I like to think about this is, is I love these paradoxes, right? So the, but the only thing that is constant in this world is change. The only thing that is constant, the only thing that's always changing is change. You know, you don't have to go look back very far uh, the way our, how our world has changed. I mean, I'm not talking about a couple of years ago, or I'm not even going to say the C word, but that's just COVID, by the way, just to be clear. I'm not even going to, but look back 15 years. Back in 2007, Apple 
came and introduced these things right here, which are these iPhones. Back in 2007, where you can have all your music and your phone and your texts and everything all in one. And it seemed there's actually been some studies on this that, like, we are, our, our technology has advanced so much in these past 15 years, more than it ever has. And it all started, well, I, I don't know if I give Apple props for that, but it all started because people started trying to make our lives more comfortable and something like this. And that's just 15 years. That's a drop in the bucket of, if you look at this, the, how time works. See, as a culture, and as, as we become more magnetic, the things that we understand about our world is that it's more divided, it's more callous to the evil that's present. And we start to lose track, we start to get off course. So if we're following the ways of the world that is constantly changing, well, it, it, you can see how, how quickly it can pull you away. And that's why today I propose that we stop being magnetic and we start following true north so what is true north um, it's it's the way in the path that god has for our lives it's it's following the one who is the same today who he was the same yesterday he'll be the same forever following his statutes following what he says in his living word speaking of that do you know what god says about our hearts in the bible he says that they're the most deceitful things that's why the Bible is filled with scriptures that tell us that we need to fill our hearts with the love of God, with the love of people, that we are to love God with all our mind, soul, strength, our hearts, love our neighbors as we love ourselves. You know, so what I'm trying to get here is that if you're basing, if your moral compass is based on magnetic north and not true north, then you'll start to see that maybe we aren't that good. See, if, if you... If you see that your compass is pointed towards true north and you read what the Bible says about men, or, or more specifically humans, you'll start to see that in reality, none of us are really good. There was only one person who ever walked on this earth that was good and perfect, and that was Jesus. Don't mishear me when I say that. None of us are good. We aren't. But, there's a but there. But there's good news. See, if, if we surrendered our lives to Jesus and made him Lord and King over our lives, if we've, then, then Jesus shares his goodness with us. So that now when God sees us, he sees his son instead and the sacrifice that he made for our sins, he forgives them as far as the east is from the west. You see, Jesus gives us his goodness when we follow him. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Jesus is true north. Our pursuit of purity needs to begin with our heart's posture being open to Jesus shaping us, changing us, and using us for his will. Let me say that again. Our, our, our heart's posture, posture needs to be open to Jesus shaping us, changing us, and using us for his will. The same way that he used, or the same way that he submitted to the will of the Father, of his Father, our Heavenly Father. This brings me to point number two, or I guess maybe lie number two. What's the point if I'm already tainted? If I'm already tainted, what's the point? It's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but it's something that, that can get in the way of us and our path to a pure heart. You see, the enemy, that's a lie from the enemy, by the way. What's the point if I'm already tainted? See, so the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And what better way to do it than to make us believe that our journey to 
So purity is frivolous. You know, what better way to throw us off of our path than to make us focus on something that, that should be in our peripherals? Friends, here's a little secret that probably isn't much of a secret. We are all tainted because we live in this world. And the only one who makes us clean is Jesus. He's the only one. He's the author and he's the perfecter of our faith. And, and when we start to understand that he invites us in the, into this faith, despite of all the baggage and all the stuff we bring into it, we start to understand the depths and the riches of his love. You know, you want to talk about being double-minded. It starts here with thinking that, that you'll never be good enough, that you'll never measure up, that, that God will never accept you because of the way that the world has tainted you. You know, I like to look at it this way. You talk about being pure. Have you ever heard of the term adulterated? Maybe not, but adulterated uh, is essentially when, when you're mixing something together, you're, you're mixing inferior materials with it. So it's becoming less and less pure. See, God's desire for us is to come to him unadulterated, free of the world's burdens. I mean, they'll still be there. You know, see, see, God doesn't want this made-in-China cheap version of us. He doesn't want that. He wants the version of us that is of one mind, that isn't tied to the inferior materials that this world promises us. He wants us to take those materials and refine them in his all-consuming fire and pursue him. Friend, if you're telling yourself that you'll never measure up and that there's no point in you pursuing your pure heart, that's a lie. And let me remind you of this. That Jesus took your sin, your shame, your transgressions, your old way of life, and he nailed it to the cross. And he left it there. You leave it there too. And line number three. I don't have time. I don't have time. Allow me to speak plainly. This is a lie from the pit of hell. Because you do have time. You're just not being intentional with the time that God gives you. If you want me to put it in churchy terms, you're not being a good steward of the time that God has given you. I get it, okay? Life is busy. Okay, I have a wife, I have four kids, I have a full-time job, and an endless list of things to get done at home because I bought a house that's over 120 years old. And also, the work I chose is ministry, or rather the work that chose me was ministry. And there's one of the things you start to understand when you are living this life is that there's an endless list of things to do. Did I mention that I have a wife and four kids? Life is busy, guys. I, you know, and, but it's really all a matter of perspective. Okay, if you want to pursue a pure heart, you have to make time for it. It won't just magically happen. God desires us to be single-minded and to follow him and to love him with our whole hearts. And how can we do this? How can we do this if you know, the things that we're filling our hearts with, and when we, you know, if the things we're filling our hearts with are things of the world? When our hearts are divided and our time is divided on things that are literally not in pursuit of him. You understand this. Purification is an action. You don't get this amazingly pure gold straight from the ground. You, know, you have to refine it. You have to, to bend it and shape it and put it in the fire until it becomes this beautiful ring. Right? There's, a, there's a process. Rather, there's a series of actions that come along for you to make it 
into that. Purification is proactive. It's not reactive. And same thing with our faith. Our faith, what we believe, it has to be proactive. It can't be reactive. And if, if your relationship with Jesus has been mostly reactive lately, then you're probably believing this lie right now, that you just don't have time. Allow me to propose for you to take good stock of your life and the things that you're filling it up with. And, you know, one of the things I actually um, I came across was is a pastor from a church. He, he used this method in order uh, to decide what programs they're going to keep at their church, whether they're going to keep them or let them go or whatever it is. And it's called the KISS method, K-I-S-S method. So it's, and no, it's not keep it simple. Okay, somebody took the bait there. I like it. But it's, it's, it's something similar to this. It's an acronym, okay? It's, so the K, the K stands for keep it. The I stands for increase it. The S stands for start it. And the other S stands for stop it. So keep it, increase it, start it, stop it. So whatever that thing, whatever, when you take stock of your life, I encourage you to do this with a spouse, with a significant other, with a mentor, with a parent, whatever you want to do. Take stock of your life. And friends, nothing is safe. Everything can go. But take stock of your life and put it through that process. Keep it, increase it, Start it or stop it. And make sure that whatever you decide, it leads you to a path to where you can see God more clearly because that, that's the beauty of this beatitude, right? Is that it comes with a promise. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God desires our undivided, unadulterated, pure devotion. And when we give it to him, we start to see God in ways that we haven't seen him before. Start to see him as we're taking a walk outside in nature. We start to see him in our interactions with everybody else around us. We start to see him in our actions, and we start to see him as we open up our Bible and actually read it and and see how the Word is actually living. We start to see God in ways that we couldn't imagine because we start to pursue pure, the process of pursuing a pure heart. And I could give you a, a bunch of examples about this, but. I think it'd be better for you to hear from somebody who actually went through this process of purification and put it into practice and seen some pretty great fruit. So you guys check this out. My name is Jaden Payne and I'm over a year free from pornography. So for two years, I struggled with pornography, and it was a struggle. Um, I just felt really alone, like nobody was there to help me, and I just felt so lost, and I honestly did not really feel God's presence. As of August 17th, I've been a year free from pornography, and this past year of my life has been nothing but exponential growth and getting closer to Christ. I just really leaned into God and you know pushed past kind of my own ways of thinking and I really dedicated kind of my life and what I wanted to do around Christ and what he wanted me to do and I can't express how free I feel and how good it is to be free. I didn't want to talk to anyone about it because um, I just felt super alone but I finally forced myself to uh, tell my parents about it after a year of struggling with it. At that point in time, my relationship with God was not personal. 
CIY, um, my freshman year, I believe, happened when I was 15. They did a demonstration down on the floor where you could walk through this door if you wanted to, which symbolized leaving your old life behind and walking into a new life with Christ. And I was like, yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I guess I'll go do that. And so me and a couple friends and all the other people from our church went down and did it. And I remember once I walked through it, I didn't necessarily feel a huge difference, but I looked at all the people around me who had also done it, and they were like bursting out in tears and like crying, and they were incredibly impacted. And I just remember feeling like, I want to feel that. Once we went back up into the into the stands, they were playing a worship song, and that's when it hit me. The Holy Spirit hit me harder than He ever has before, and I could feel God's presence more than I ever have before in my entire life. And I audibly heard a voice in my head tell me, "This is where everything changes." And I just remember I was. Hopeful, but also, you know, skeptical because I was like, well, what is my life going to look like from here? But I, I just kept taking baby steps of faith. You know, something that Taylor always says is you got to look at each individual step. You can't look at the whole staircase. Um, so just one step at a time, I just kept leaning closer and closer into God and just really having to take some leaps of faith. I think Taylor was definitely one of the biggest influences throughout the whole thing. Um, because he was able to just always give me biblically based advice. The Bible doesn't explicitly say, you know, this is these are the steps to quit a porn addiction. It's like it doesn't just say that. But he wasn't telling me what to do. He was telling me to go look in the Bible and read it for myself, and then have God tell me what to do. And I remember that was that was huge for me because I I remember I didn't want to rely. On another person for helping me, but that's that's not even necessarily what he was doing. He was helping me to be able to rely on God more. I was put in a position where I had to fully surrender. I said, God, you know, I don't know what your plan is for me. I don't know what's next, but I trust you. And through that, I was able to become free. God developed a major sense of sympathy and empathy within me. So now, when other people like. Open up to me and talk about their struggles. Like I can relate a lot better than I would have been able to if I hadn't not gone through those struggles. And just my ability to talk to people on a deeper level, I've seen so many results through other people expressing their gratitude for me for that. But I mean, in the end, it's all God. You know, it, it it's just so incredible how He works and the miracles that He can do if you trust Him. Something I would say to anybody who's dealing with anything that you know you don't feel comfortable telling other people about. It doesn't matter how old you are either. You know the devil has his hold on us. He keeps us in the darkness if we keep our secrets in the dark because that's where the devil works is in the darkness. But God, you know, he works in the light. So if we bring all the all the darkness into the light, then that's where God can use that. He can transform us. And again, use our hurt, use our pain, and bring it, and make it something beautiful. And again, He can like transform your testimony. He can turn your mess into a message. And I believe wholeheartedly that's what He did through me. And I know He can do that through you as well.
Jaden, I appreciate you letting us share that, man. It takes guts. It does. And that dude's 17, by the way. Uh, just turned 17. So, um, but, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, Jaden took this process of purification seriously. You can see it in his face. And, and that, that God has changed his heart. And he'll continue to use, Jaden, he'll continue to use your story. To help others who are in the midst of a purity struggle. And I'm not just talking about like a, a sexual sin purity thing. I'm talking about purity as a whole. Purity as in living your life for Christ. Because you will have struggles. But the good news as Christ followers is that we don't have to go through it alone. Here's what I want us to remember today. That purification is a process. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Purification it's a process. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. This life that we're called to live as Christ followers, it's a process. So what are you going to lean on? Are you Are going to lean on the promises that this world gives us? Or are you going to lean on the promises of God and the things that he offers us? See, God knew that we were lost sheep without a shepherd. That's why he sent the good shepherd. That's why the good shepherd came. That's why Jesus, he was here. That's why he paid the price for all of our sin and all of our shame on that cross. That's why he rose again to be at the right hand of the Father. To send us the Holy Spirit. So that now we don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to go to a place. But we have literally the Holy Spirit living in us. We have God with us. He goes before us. He's behind us. See, God knows that we are prone to wander. He knows that we're prone to leave him. He knows that we're prone to choose our own path. He knows that we're prone to be children of wrath. I thank God that every day that that Jesus came onto this earth, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that God showed us his mercy. He showed it to us. He gives us that mercy, but we got to pursue it. We have... To go, we have to go through the process of purification if we want to see God. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And friends, that is good news. Now you don't have to go through this process alone. I don't know what that step for you today is, but take it. Maybe it's devoting yourself to, to the Lord again, but devoting your life to him. Um, maybe, maybe you need to trim the fat of your faith. And that's, you know, with, with our faith, with our, the way that we want to know everything in our Western society, we have bloated our faith. And we've become people who can focus on secondary issues and make them primary. Where's your bullseye? What's, what's in the middle of that target? And let's pursue that. You know, maybe you need to redevote yourself to God. You know, you surrendered once, but you strayed. And I can just tell you this, that our Heavenly Father is one who will run to you with open arms. And he'll embrace you. He'll throw that robe on you, give it the ring. Say, let's throw a party. You see, while God has given us his spirit, he also has given us this gift. And yes, I do call it a gift of the people that are sitting right around you. This biblical community that you have. It's a gift. Don't let the significance of that gift pass you by. You know, it could be, you, you don't have to do this alone. You have, you have God with you, but you also have people around you who care, who are focused on Christ-centered relationships. So whether that's your community group, whether that's 
the people that you have coffee with on every Monday of the fourth Sunday of the week, or I don't know how that works. But find those people. Lean into those relationships because they're relationships that should encourage you, that should urge you to good works, that should hold you accountable to make sure that you are pursuing this process of purification, to having a pure heart. Because if you have that pure heart, what is the promise? That you'll see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God desires us to be undivided, to be unadulterated, to be fully devoted to him and his ways. Friends, this week, let's not be magnetic. Let's be true. Let's go to the true north. I don't know what that step is for you today, but I want to remind you of this one truth, is that purification is a process. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let's pray. God, what a a privilege and an honor it is that we get to come here to this building and we get to worship you. We get to to sing your praises. We get to to hear uh, the, the word that you have laid on our hearts. God, we... We come to you today and we, we recognize uh, that we, we are in need of your mercies. We are in need of them every day. God, we're, we recognize that the process of purity, to having a pure heart, is one that the enemy will continue to kill, steal, and destroy and try to take away, God. But I, I pray against the lies that we believe. I pray against the schemes of the enemy who will, who will lie to us and say that either we are pure when we're really not or that we can't be pure. It is your son, Jesus, and who shares his goodness with us that makes us pure. God, I, I ask that you give us the, the strength and the courage to pursue you every day, to pursue this process of purification, to cut out all the things that don't matter, to help help us to trim the fat of our faith so that we can live in a, a manner that you want us to live, God. Allow us to be of one mind, one soul. God, we thank you for your spirit that lives in us. And we thank you for the gift of a biblical community around us, God. Let those, don't let the significance of what those mean wash away as we leave here. Allow it to, to invade us, to infect us, to, to allow us to see how we can be your church, not just here, and not just in our homes, but also out in the community. God, allow us to show the love of Christ to all. Allow us to live a life of purity, a life that, that is a process, God, but you promise that you will be with us throughout the process. We thank you for that, God, and we praise you and we honor you and we love you. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.